Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hey guys, welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you as always from the mobile studio deep in the heart of beautiful rural North Yorkshire, England. Well, it's been an unintentional sort of mini hiatus thingy. <laughs> it's been a while, it's been a well, several weeks probably since I last did a rewatch podcast with you. Um, but since I last did a rewatch, I of course had the great pleasure of having a chat with actor David Zayas, who, of course, plays Sergeant Angel Batista on everybody's favourite TV show, Dexter. It was a great experience chatting with him, and I am very grateful to David for giving up his time and being very generous with his responses to uh, my questions. And yours, of course, as well. So thank you, everyone, who... um, did email in with a few questions. Um, I wasn't able to go through all of them. I kind of had to go with the flow of the conversation and there wasn't an opportunity to um, uh, get through all your questions. So apologies to any that I missed out, but um, thank you to everyone who did send something in. What I should have done um, with the with the sort of finished podcast was sort of stick a bit of a spoiler warning at the front because... Uh, in the schedule of podcast episodes, it's it's appeared in the midst of the season two rewatch, and in the interview we did discuss some matters arising from the most recent Dexter season six, um, which of course will be spoilers to anybody who hasn't or or who isn't fully up to date with the show. So, mm, yeah, <laughs> humble apologies to anybody who listened to the interview and got. Sp- boiled um yeah sorry about that um hopefully it didn't hopefully um well hopefully it didn't spoil anybody but um yeah just kind of in hindsight i was acutely aware that i should have stuck a spoiler warning on at the front it we weren't deliberately spoiling it was just the flow of the conversation and um you know it's hard to hard to talk to an actor about the show uh just talking about a couple of early seasons you know we've got to talk about the show as a whole so um there was no way we couldn't talk about recent stuff so uh that was the conversation with david zayas it was um a great experience as i say and and thanks very much i don't know if if david will be listening but if he is if you are (laughs) thank you very much for giving up your time so generously to us um really enjoyed it thank you okay so um moving on uh i mentioned uh sort of recent Dexter. Uh, We've got a new season starting in September, season seven. And for those who maybe aren't looking around for Dexter news on the internet and maybe don't follow the Dissecting Dexter Facebook page, season seven starts shooting very soon. Uh, As I record today, I think it's the 15th of May. Uh, season seven starts shooting on May the 23rd is, is the date that I've got. Which is really nice. <laughs> they start filming around the same time. Um, well, it's about the same time as last year. Uh, so I guess filming will go on probably into the early autumn or, or mid-autumn. Uh, no doubt overlapping with the season commencing on showtime. But it's really exciting, I find, to think that in just a few days there's going to be some new footage in the can. That's that's an exciting thought. I can't wait for the next season. I really can't. One other thing before we get stuck into the uh, or today's episode. <laughs> so just brain fart then. Just <laughs> stop mid-sentence. Um, I just want to say a quick thank you uh, to those of you who have very kindly supported the podcast by signing up to a trial with audible.com. Um There'll be a little advert a bit later on in the podcast. Um, I talked about the the podcast new sponsor last time. Um, AudibleTrial.com slash Dexter is the URL if you want to sign up for a free 30-day trial. Oh, I'm doing an advert now. (laughs) Get me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just just thank you to those of you who have signed up. 
much appreciated. It has already supported the podcast. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Right, so yeah, as I say, it's been an unintentional hiatus. I can't really account for why, <laughs> except that just simply life. <laughs> life gets in the way as it is um, as it is inclined to do from time to time. Uh, nothing really significant has been going on. It's just, just happened. So apologies for the unintentional hiatus. I've had one or two messages on Twitter saying, where are you? Um, is there another podcast coming soon? Well, here it is, guys. <laughs> Better late than never. Right, so enough waffle. Let's get on with the episode. We're talking season two, episode seven. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so we will only be talking about this episode, season two, episode seven, and what has gone before. We will not be talking about anything that is yet to come. So don't worry if you're not up to date with the show. You will not be spoiled here. Episode title, That Night a Forest Grew. The original air date, the 11th of November, 2007. Written by Daniel Serone and directed by Jeremy Podeswa. Now, Daniel Serone, we've mentioned before, he worked on Dexter from early in season one as a writer and producer through to the end of season three when he left the show. He's most recently been focused on The Mentalist as an executive producer. Director Jeremy Podeswa, this is his only Dexter episode, but had previously cut his teeth on shows like Queer as Folk USA, Carnival and Six Feet Under. He's well-travelled, actually, also working on shows like Rome, Nip Tuck, The Pacific, The Tudors, Rubicon, Camelot, <laughs> The Borgias, True Blood and Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> so quite an illustrious list of, of shows there. So I think we're in pretty good hands. Let's crack on with the recap and review. Here we go. First time I saw this opening scene and we hear Lila talking about light feathery strokes and stuff, I thought, aha, we're supposed to think they're shagging, but actually they're probably painting and we're meant to just think they're shagging, but no, they're shagging. <laughs> As the scene progresses, it seems Dexter's pretty happy to be there. No nagging sense of betraying Rita at all. I guess they did kind of break up, didn't they? And she dumped him, but still... But no, then again, Dexter is still pretty early into his character journey. I think most of us rational, normal people would have would have had reservations about jumping into bed with someone else only mere minutes after breaking up with our partner slash girlfriend or whatever. Maybe it's a moot point, but I think Lila has been clearly set up as a seductive and possibly very manipulative woman. In his kitchen the next morning... Dexter gets teased by Deb, who assumes he was with Rita last night. She's asking about his sex life with Rita and what sort of noises she makes when they're shagging. <laughs> it's pretty funny and she makes a comment about how her mind works, that sometimes she disturbs herself. <laughs> Perhaps she's more on Masuka's wavelength than she cares to admit. Dexter, though, he tells her that he and Rita broke up. At work, friend of the podcast, David Zayas, at, I mean, Sergeant Batista, <laughs> grabs Dexter to tell him they've got a lengthy manifesto from someone claiming to be the Bay Harbour Butcher. It contains three victim names they haven't publicised, so they think it's legit. But in voiceover, Dexter tells us that this is his doing. Taking a tip from Lila, he's made moves to control the actions of Lundy and his team. Now, I'm not... 100% sure about the logic of this move by Dexter. In one way, he could put all sorts of stuff in there to lead Lundy up blind alleys and waste time chasing false leads, but on the other hand, they will surely eventually find that they are false leads and come back around. It might only be delaying the inevitable. It might only serve to make Lundy more determined once he finds the butcher has deliberately misled them and wasted their time. I don't think Lundy is one to give up. So I suppose the logic is that it does potentially give Dexter some breathing room. So 
Alright, fair enough. Later, LaGuerta and Dokes are talking at a poolside murder scene. There's blood work to be done and LaGuerta's worried about Dokes' issues with Dexter. Dokes says it's sorted but makes jibes that clearly indicate there's still no love lost and he's still got a problem. LaGuerta says she stopped Dexter making a complaint once and it might not be so easy next time and Dokes is out of free passes and she warns him off. Back at the station, Camilla goes to visit Dexter and tells him Dokes was asking her about the file on the shipping yard murder. No big surprise there. Dokes is truly back on the scent and having heard that interview between Laura and Harry, his spidey sense is proper tingling. Camilla says she stalled Dokes, saying the file's stored at City Hall, but thinks Dokes will soon realise the file is missing, just like Dexter did. She's worried, but Dexter reassures her he'll take care of it. So much for threatening Dokes. He won't back off till he exposes the twisted branches of my family tree, from my father's indiscretions to my murderous brother, to the root of all evil. Me. It's only a brief appearance by Camilla in this episode, and it's a shame I... I do like Camilla and I do like the actress who plays her, Margot Martindale, who is of course now award winning after her brilliant turn in season two of the terrific FX show Justified. Now back to the plot. <laughs> I really do like the brewing tension between Dex and Dokes. It's really been ramping up and it's got me excited, gets the juices flowing. Elsewhere, Deb joins Lundy in the office. Lundy's studying case photos, listening to jazz, and talking about finding the right music to help him think. There's a funny line when he asks Deb if she has any Chopin on her iPod. She doesn't, and he says, shit. It's funny because it's the first time I think that we've heard him swear, and Deb picks up on it. You're rubbing off on me, he says. It's nice because we see them look at each other, a real mutual respect growing, and they obviously intrigue each other. Where it leads, though, we'll see. At the poolside murder scene, Dexter's taking photos of the man who found the dead girl. He's the victim's stepfather, and he's swearing his innocence, and Dexter muses that the blood on the shirt seems to concur. However, when Dokes asks him about it, Dexter misleads him deliberately, saying the blood implicates the guy, without doubt. What's he up to? In voiceover, he says it's a chance to get Dokes off his back without spilling any blood, Dokes is bound to find out the truth about the forensic eventually, and he's likely to be royally pissed off with Dexter for lying to him. Maybe Dexter wants that, and wants Dokes to come at him. That night, Lila's out with Dexter, and they're talking about his addiction. She points out that the subject hasn't come up for a while, and he's not felt the need to use. Dexter says he feels like he's in control of things. She says he needs to work it uh, to make sure it stays that way and that he's found a good substitute for his addiction, life. This comment of hers set me thinking about Dexter in the bigger picture, and actually, although I mention it, it's hard for me to talk about this fully here, because I guess it is a spoiler-free podcast, of course, so I can't talk about things that are coming. But for those who are up to date with the show, you know how we've talked about Dexter's possible salvation and the kind of thing that could keep him from killing. Well, that's where my mind went when Lila said the, these things. At Rita's house, the kids are doing homework. Cody's practising presenting a report for the school. And Gail's being very picky and strict with him about his presentation technique. She's not making any friends amongst us viewers, is she? <laughs> Back at the police station, we see Dexter's plan to keep the task force busy is working. They're analysing the text in the manifesto and picking up on various literary references. They have a brief but amusing argument about where one of the quotes comes from. They are, they're arguing about which Star Trek Mark Twain was in. <laughs> nice work, Dex. Next day at the gym, Deb and Gabe are on the treadmill. Gabe's waffling on about this and that, but Deb's got her iPod on and she's lost in the tinkling ivories of one Frederick Chopin, as inspired, of course, by her conversation with Lundy. She closes her eyes and really gets lost in the music. Interesting, she's exploring music she wouldn't have had Lundy not mentioned it. That night, Deb gets back to Dexter's apartment and is surprised by a topless Lila at the fridge. Who the fuck are you? Oh, hi. I'm Lila. Oh, pardon my sense. Um, we thought you were crushing at your boyfriend's tonight. We, we, who? 
Dexter and I. Could you just wait here a minute? Who's this gank? Deb, did knocking occur to you? Who is she? And are you trying to fuck her or set her on fire? Hey, I didn't do this to you when you were riding square jaw guy with the handcuffs. That's different. I wasn't cheating on anyone with Gabriel. How could you do this to Rita, not to mention her kids? You're like their father. Hey, Rita broke up with me, okay? You fucked up, Dex. <laughs> A couple of great lines there. Lila's pardon my tits, and then Deb in the bedroom seeing Dexter in bed surrounded by candles. Are you trying to set her on fire? <laughs> Gold star for Deb there. From the look on Dexter's face, he did seem a little perturbed that Deb's upset with him, and maybe there's a slight nag of conscience at being reminded of Rita and the kids. Next day, is asking Dokes about the poolside murder suspect. Dokes has been pulling strings to get more time to question him. LaGuerta is not convinced, and it hangs on the blood report. Given the effort Dokes is putting in here, you can just imagine how angry he's going to be when he finds out Dexter lied to him. Dexter comes in, and there's another classical music reference as he watches the Bay Harbor Butcher Task Force at work. He says it's like he's conducting his own symphony. He saunters to Dokes' desk and hides what we assume is the blood report under some other files in his in-tray. He then speaks to LaGuerta and sets up the final step of his play, telling her the blood work exonerates the suspects, and he told Dokes as much at the crime scene. He's a sneaky bugger, isn't he? She goes into the interview room, and you can see Dokes absolutely seething as she lets the guy go. Dexter's watching on CCTV like he's waiting for the coming storm. Dokes is getting put straight by LaGuerta, and he realises what's happened, but of course, given what's already gone on, it sounds like his obsession with Dexter is bubbling up again. Poor Dokes. <laughs> he's got every right to be mad, and he's spot on about Dexter, but he just sounds like he's paranoid. This setup is just great. You can feel something's going to kick off, and soon. Later, Deb's hanging out at Gabe's place. She's got Chopin on her iPod yet again and she's trying to work. Gabe starts kissing her, but she ends up breaking up with him. In her explanation, she says how nice he is and uses the term age-appropriate, which is of course a big flag that she's realised she's attracted to Lundy. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. It helps me control the chaos. Elsewhere, Dex is out walking with Lila, and it seems that he needs her to tell him how things are. He does express some concern about losing Rita and the kids, feeling that they were the only thing keeping him human. And this is probably right. We saw how with them, the setting of normal life kept him grounded in a way, helped guide him into behaving normally, when he'd always thought of himself as abnormal. They showed him that he does have some capacity for normal human behaviour. However, Lila questions this and suggests they were having the opposite effect by not accepting him for who he is. That's okay for her to say. Of course, Rita and the kids had no idea of Dexter's reality. The addiction thing was only a recent revelation, and Rita was supportive of Dexter, seeking help to recover. It was only that Dexter lied about the road trip and sharing a room with Lila that caused the breakup. So, Lila's not being very fair and rather manipulative taking advantage of Dexter's vulnerability and reliance on her guidance. Suddenly, Lila gets horny and Dexter breaks into a nearby house with her so they can get on with it. As they get dressed afterwards, Dex gets a call from Cody, who sounds a bit upset. He wants Dexter to watch him do his report at school. It's so sweet. <laughs> he says he's scared and wants Dexter to be there. Gail comes in and when she finds out it's Dexter on the phone, she hangs up. But the call hits Dexter somewhere deep and you can, you can see on his face that he feels the pull and wants to go. This moment shows some more progress in Dexter's personal journey to becoming human and normal. Dexter of old wouldn't have felt the need to go. A total psychopath wouldn't have felt guilty. Much easier not to go. So, nice one, Dex. Rita comes home from work to find Cody has been sent to bed early as punishment for calling Dexter. And Asta joined him when she tried to support him. Rita seems concerned, but more so when she says she's found out that Gail lost her teaching job a year ago. 
a fact that had been kept hidden from her. Gail goes on a bit of a diatribe about the modern education system and how people reward mediocrity, including Rita, settling first for Paul and then Dexter. Now, this isn't a parenting podcast, but I have to sound with Rita. <laughs> Gail's ideals belong in the dark ages, but did you cheer when Rita responded? It's not my fault that so many people are willing to settle for mediocrity. <laughs> Just look at you. First Paul, then Dexter. Rita, you lack even common sense. And now you're passing that torch of ordinary character on to your children. Shut the fuck up. Nobody talks about my kids that way. That a girl. <gasps> That's what I've been waiting to see. You know what? I'm done with you. No, you're not. But you go. You give me hell. No. No, I won't do that. I won't let you turn me into you. Rita, here's what's going to happen. First thing in the morning, you're going to pack up and go home. You'll come and visit us for birthdays and holidays. You're not going to live with us anymore. Nice one, Rita. You tell her. I don't know if this paves the way for Rita wanting Dexter back, but it certainly seems to mean we'll soon be saying goodbye to her interfering bloody mother. <laughs> Next day, Dexter returns to his office to find Dokes already in there waiting. Dokes says that despite his best efforts, he can't find anything about Dexter's early years. This leads to one of my all-time favourite Dexter quotes and all-time favourite moments. No matter what you try, no matter when, no matter how hard you work, I'll always be a step ahead of you for one simple reason. And what's that? I own you. your gun, your badge and your police ID. I want your access card too. Now! Type a statement that Sergeant Jokes is on administrative leave pending an internal affairs investigation. You two get him out of here. Thanks. Oh boy, what a moment. We've been building up to this since the first time we saw Dokes in season one. We knew there was suspicion and tension there. But now Dokes looks like he's crazy, and Dexter looks like the victim. Poor Dokes. <laughs> I said it again. <laughs> he's the actual victim here. Of course, we root for Dexter, but I can't help feeling sorry for the hapless guy, now cast out by the job he lives for. Terrific payoff, and great acting by Hall and King there. Great writing too. A high point of the entire show for me. As Dokes is led to the elevator, the screen burns with his rage. It exudes from every pore. You just know this isn't going to be the end of it. He's a loose cannon now, a wounded animal. Something tells me Dokes will be more determined now than ever, and more dangerous now he has nothing to lose. We join Deb and Lundy at the waterside. They've come from a meeting with the local newspaper about the Butcher Manifesto. They stop for lunch. Deb's wrapped her own sandwiches like Lundy, and he queries that she doesn't like the quiet. She says something that reveals quite a lot about her character, something very honest for Deb. When I'm alone and it's quiet, I get scared. Shitless. Like I start hearing what's really going on inside. I see. So if it's all the same to you, maybe I can just practice when you're around. Okay. Because when you're around, I kind of feel like I can deal with anything, you know? Like what happened to me. I don't have to run from it. I don't have to jump into bed with some guy and hide there. You give me strength. Kind of opening up here. 
What do you want me to say? I don't know. You're the fucking Zen master. Figure it out. Morgan, I've got plaque in my arteries. I know the lyrics to elevator music. My hair isn't getting any thicker. And she kisses him. It really is such a sweet scene. We knew she was drawn to him, but when he kisses her back, we see the feeling is mutual. It could be viewed as a bit creepy, because we know he could be viewed as a kind of substitute father figure, but this is Deb we're talking about. She's really mixed up in her own way. Again, I want to give credit to the writers, and indeed the acting performances here by Jennifer Carpenter and Keith Carradine. I think they both played their parts in this storyline really well. And Deb's character, for me, goes from strength to strength as the series, or as Dexter the series, progresses. Now, fresh from his headbutt, Dexter's giving Cody a pep talk before his presentation. I was so glad to see that he'd gone. He sits with Aster and Rita, who doesn't give him the warmest of looks, but he joins them to watch Cody and... That's nice. We briefly cut to Lila as she receives a big fat cheque for $18,000 for her sculpture. She doesn't look too happy though. Maybe her mind is elsewhere, thinking of Dexter doing the family thing. Do we get some psycho alarm bells ringing here? Back at the police station, the task force is discussing the profiling results from the manifesto. The team argue about what it says about the killer different strong opinions coming out, not least from Batista. Lundy listens, and quickly the penny drops. This is what the killer wants. Confusion. Lundy thinks the killer must have a law enforcement background because he knows how they work, hitting all the right themes in the manifesto to set them running in all directions. That Lundy, he's a clever fella. You're supposed to preserve the crime scene, asshole. <laughs> This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. Keep up to date with the show on Twitter. Follow at Dissect Dexter. We join Dexter back at the school as Cody gives his presentation. Dexter muses how, actually, being here is the first time since he entered recovery that he feels clean. The realisation being that maybe Rita and the kids really could be what he needs, not Lila. As his phone buzzes with Lila calling, he cancels the call. Again, nice one, Dex. We cut back to Lila, who reacts to the rejection by setting fire to her sculpture. She'd better tear that big check up too, then. I guess this kind of <laughs> gives us some indications of her mindset that she's prepared to sacrifice $18,000 uh, for getting Dex's attention. And she then goes around her apartment setting fire to other stuff too, as we intersperse this with Cody receiving applause for his report. Outside, they're arranging to go and get ice cream. The kids want Dexter to join them and Rita agrees, but quickly this positive vibe is broken as Dexter gets a call about the fire and he goes running. When he gets there, you know, didn't you groan when Dexter hastily rushed off to help Lila? Oh, God, you can see the look on Rita's face. She's thinking, here we go again, and we know where we stand in your list of priorities, and blah, blah, blah. It was a bit of deflation after things seem to have been turning turning for the better in, in that department. But, yeah, when Dexter gets to Lila's place, it's a charred mess, and Lila, of course, says nothing of it being deliberate. She flings her arms around him and tells him not to leave her. Now... At this point, I don't know about you, but my whole opinion of Lila has done a 180. And I was just thinking, get off him. <laughs> Be gone, foul witch. <laughs> uh, but Dexter notices her light has been fixed. Oh yeah, we saw earlier that the light outside her apartment wasn't working. I'd not mentioned that. Um, she'd asked the landlord to fix it, but he hadn't done so. That thus far, and in front of Dexter, she then busted the light outside her landlord's place, thinking that if he has to fix his own, he'll hopefully then fix hers at the same time. 
And this, my friends, is destructive manipulation, defined as meeting your own needs at the expense of another's. So the light was one thing. The other was obviously Lila setting fire to her apartment to get Dexter's attention. And obviously at the expense of maybe getting back with Rita or certainly ingratiating himself back into uh, back with Rita and getting back into her good books somehow. And then the smile on Lila's face at the very end of the episode. I tell you, if the psycho alarm wasn't already ringing, it will be now. But what about the title of the episode? That Night of Forest Grew. It's close to a line from the children's book by the late Maurice Sendak, Where the Wild Things Are. The actual line is, That very night in Max's room a forest grew, but obviously refers to a rapid growth of something. In the case of the story, a forest. In the case of Dexter the TV show, this may allude to Dexter's sudden realisation that Lila is a manipulator. You know, it takes one to know one. <laughs> Let's face it, Dexter manipulated Dokes this time, and it's not the first time he's manipulated someone. Definite traits of a psychopath, now we've talked about whether or not Dexter might be a total psychopath, and I think we all agree he isn't a complete psychopath, but he does have some, he does tick some of the boxes, and being manipulative is one of them. So, the old saying, it takes one to know one. So it's no surprise that the penny might be dropping here with Dexter. And we see the peculiar expression on his face when he sees the repaired light. Something certainly seemed to dawn on him. For me, this is one of the best episodes of Dexter so far. So much going on and some great developments for both story and character. I've talked today about the Doke's Dexter tension reaching boiling point. We also had an event for Deb's character. We all may have had some reservations about Lila, but this episode gave us the reveal that she really is a twisted individual. Just terrific stuff. Listener Feedback Feedback for this great episode comes from Chuck Lueck on Facebook. That's the Dissecting Dexter Facebook page, to be precise. Uh, he says, great parallels in this episode. While Dex Dexter had absolute control of his interactions with Dokes, his relationship with Lila was spiralling out of control. Dexter had Dokes on a leash. Lila had Dexter on one. Thanks, Chuck. Interesting point. And I have to agree with you. Yeah, parallels there. Of course, it was Lila herself who was urging Dexter to take control of his life. Um, obviously, she doesn't know the specifics of, of the problems he's got at work and and in his own sort of psychopathic serial killer issues. <laughs> but um, the principles are the same, and she was encouraging him to take control, and that's what he did. He took control of the dope situation and manipulated him into that extreme response that extreme public response that got dokes in that in that hot water meanwhile of course lila had dexter under her control and was very easily able to get a, get him to come running um although she did obviously take some drastic measures to do that but uh managed to pull him away from what might have been quite a nice domestic uh, situation and a nice domestic outing to get some ice cream with Rita and the kids. A voicemail uh, from our good friend Travis also hits on uh, on one of these points. Let's hear from him. Hey Gareth, this is Travis. I'm going to try to talk to you a little bit about Season 2, Episode 7 of Dexter, That Night of Forest Grew. I hope I'm not too late with this feedback. And I hope I'm not going off half-cocked here because I'm only now realizing as I'm talking to you what happened in the episode or what I'm going to say. But then again, I think I go off half-cocked every time I talk to you. Uh, so the first thing that comes to mind when I think of this episode is uh, it's certainly the most iconic scene of the episode. Probably most certainly one of one of the most iconic scenes of the series. Uh, Dexter headbutting Dokes. Very badass, very cool, very smart of Dexter to manipulate Dokes in the way he did. You know I'm a big Dokes fan, the biggest Dokes fan, and even I was 
really liked that. Um, Dexter's definitely taking some cues from Lila. And he's being more proactive instead of just reactive to the way Lundy's investigating him and stuff. And he's trying to take care of all of his problems. And uh, I don't know. I really don't like Lila. I really don't. I like looking at her, but I don't like anything else about her. Um, but I don't know. It's, it, it was, I don't know if it's refreshing, but it's certainly a change of pace to see Dexter behave this way, to be so sociopathic. And it's so weird that to say it's uh, refreshing to see Dexter act that way. I mean, he is a serial killer after all. But, uh, yeah, well, Dexter did that manifesto and it backfired on him because uh, Lundy, he's just too damn smart. Speaking of Lundy, him and Deb, I believe, shared a kiss this episode. Ooh la la, all the, all the Dundee or the, what would be the other one? Le- Leb, Lebby? I don't know. All those, all those shippers, the Deb and Lundy shippers are really happy, I'm sure. That they kissed. Uh, how romantic, right? Yeah, Ke- I'd probably kiss Keith Garrett too. You know, man, he's a charming mother, mother lover. Uh, I believe in this episode, Rita tells her mom to to f off. Tells her she don't like her no more, and that's great because yeah, her, for real, I've not been feeling that storyline. Her mom's just kind of been dangling there, not really serving any purpose. When she was introduced, I thought like, uh oh, she doesn't like Dexter. Here we go. It's gonna be a problem. But no, nah, it really wasn't a problem at all. She didn't. Nothing happened between her and Dexter, so. Uh, but yeah, uh, now I, I remember uh, something I was really happy about this episode was that I, we've had this suspicion, or at least I have, that Lila is some crazy, crazy bitch. And uh, where finally our suspicions are confirmed uh, when she sets her apartment on fire after Dexter uh, misses one or two of his calls, her calls, I, I think. Uh, so that made me feel really good. Perhaps I should have felt worried for Dex or like, oh no, what are you going to do, Dex? She's crazy. But I just felt like, alright, you know, what is this, episode 7? Dexter's going to find out that this woman is insane and he's going to leave her and he'll get back with with Rita and everything will be happily ever after. I'm a big Dexter and Rita supporter. I just want them to be happy together. It makes me happy. They're like a surrogate relationship for me. I feel like when they're okay, I'm going to be okay. Hey, don't judge me, Gareth. Come on. Uh, anyway, I think that's it. Uh, it was a good episode. Uh, I think the name of that title, I heard it comes from that uh, Maurice Sendek, R.I.P. Uh, it comes from that uh, the Monsters book or whatever, Wild Things. Where the Wild Things are, that's the one. I don't know. I don't know. That book's like 11 sentences long or something like that. I ain't got time to read all those sentences. Uh, that's it. Thanks, Travis. You hit all the key points from the episode there. The uh, <laughs> That sequence there, which I did obviously emphasize in my review, the, the headbutt sequence. Um, you too are a big Dokes fan, or you call yourself the biggest Dokes fan. I certainly class myself as a big fan of of the character and uh, I've I've really enjoyed him up until now and um I did feel a little bit sorry for him really that he's been manipulated into this situation obviously first and foremost we root for Dexter so our loyalties inevitably lie with him but Dokes has been played like a fiddle isn't he and uh <laughs> strung up like a chicken <laughs> and um well it's not uh it's not looking too good for him at the moment, is it? Um, I don't know what the <laughs> I don't know if the future holds anything too rosy for him, uh, but certainly the situation at the moment is um, he's out in the cold a bit. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the manifesto that Dexter wrote and hoped that would keep the Bay Harbor Butcher Task Force busy for the foreseeable future. Didn't quite work out as well as he might have hoped. It certainly did have the desired effects, but not for very long. And I guess Dexter underestimated Lundy's incredible intelligence and intuition. And he came up trumps there and realised what the butcher was trying to do, that he was, again, manipulating, trying to manipulate the team into chasing their own tails and run up blind alleys and basically just waste their time and it worked but just for a short time and nowhere near as long I'm sure as Dexter had hoped for. You mentioned the uh, Rita's mother storyline that didn't impress you very much. I certainly didn't care for the character. She served a purpose, a very obvious antagonistic purpose to drive a wedge between 
Dexter and Rita and I mentioned a podcast or two ago that she's a tried and tested plot device and I guess arguably one of the weaker points of the season so far um not to take anything away from the actress Jo Beth Williams who has has done a perfectly good job and certainly done a good job to make us dislike this character and she was just positioned as as an antagonist and uh did the job there and of course there is this wedge now between Dexter and Rita and it served a purpose to push Dexter in Lila's direction which serves the the cause of the 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 broader storyline for the season you predicted that Lila was one crazy bitch and uh, indeed you're right the there were vibes and uh, anyone who watches much serialized television drama would certainly see the character early on and have her card marked whether she'd done anything to arouse our suspicions of n- or not i think we as audiences we're just a bit too clever for our own good these days and um Yes, sure enough, the suspicions were confirmed this episode. She did take some drastic measures. I I can't help but feel there might have been some more subtle ways she might have got Dexter's attention, but, you know, when the straight give him a phone call didn't work, there must have been something else she could have done. <laughs> but I guess that's illustrative of, of her state of mind, that she is some crazy woman, and um, rather than doing anything by half measures, she just went the whole hog. I guess she just stopped short of actually directly harming herself, but I don't know. You know, she just got that, just got that big fat check for what was it, eighteen thousand dollars, and basically it went up in in smoke, literally, uh, as she destroyed the um, sculpture that had, that had been bought from her. And I don't know. Maybe she doesn't need eighteen thousand dollars. I sure could. <laughs> Oh, I'd have a nice holiday this year and hmm, maybe a new car. Okay, so thanks very much, Travis, and thanks, Chuck, for your comments. That's it for feedback for this episode. Um, Not a great deal came in this time, but I'm, of course, grateful to Chuck and Travis for their contributions. Um, I guess it's it's my own fault, really, for leaving it such a long time in between rewatch podcasts. I'll make every effort not to um, leave such a gap next time. If you do want to uh, discuss the next episode with me or if you've got some feedback on the David Zayas interview or indeed this podcast, you can call me in the US. The phone number is 646-222-6122. In the UK, it's 0844-579-6949. And with the UK line, as always... You enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. You can also email me. How archaic. But hey, you're welcome. <laughs> it's dissectingdexter at gmail.com. No, I'm only joking. The bulk of the feedback comes via email, so I'm not going to knock it. <laughs> There's also Twitter, at dissectdexter, or my personal Twitter, which is at gareth underscore UK. And the podcast Facebook page, which I've already alluded to. Jump onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter, and you'll find it. Just before I bob on to the next... Bob on? Where did that come from? <laughs> Before we go on to the next section, uh, quick shout out to the, uh, the the podcast sponsor, Audible. A fantastic online purveyor of audiobooks, over 100,000 titles to choose from. You can support the podcast in a very big way by going to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter and signing up for a free one month trial. And during that one month, you are able to download one free audiobook as part of that trial. Um, other audiobooks obviously cost a few uh, few bucks. <laughs> but uh, you do get a free audiobook download and you can choose from any one of their, well, as I say, in excess of 100,000 titles, fiction, non-fiction, you name it, it's there. And support the podcast, as a few of you already have done. And my enormous gratitude goes to each and every one of you thank you very much you are supporting the podcast and uh, i am very thankful next time on dissecting dexter the next episode is season two episode eight morning comes now I just thought for this time, and I may continue with this 
and that is that I'm not going to read a synopsis for the next episode. It does contain spoilers, and, and I don't know, it's nice just to speculate unspoiled about what might come up in the next episode, maybe pose a question or two. So, the next episode is Morning Comes. Now, just thinking about that title, talk about the morning coming and the cold light of day, a new day, um, whether it's alluding to maybe the next morning and Dexter's had a chance to sleep on what's just happened, that he starts to get some inkling about Lila being a crazy woman. Um, in my review, I did talk about that final scene with, with Dexter's expression and um, that maybe starting to put one or two pieces together and getting some, maybe hearing an alarm bell or two about this this uh, this woman who had been helping him up until now. But as I say, it takes one to know one and it takes a manipulator to recognise a manipulator. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the next episode is going to reveal that Dexter is proper getting onto Lila's problems, her issues, shall we say. Um, she's not shown any signs of, of being a killer, um, so uh, I don't think he's just going to be able to put her on his table and uh, stick a knife in her. <laughs> I, don't think she, I don't think she deserves that quite yet, but um, who knows, we may get to that point. She's certainly shown that she's a crazy woman. Run, Dex! <laughs> um, elsewhere, is Rita going to be any more receptive to Dexter after he ran off to Lila with that phone call? Just as things seem to be turning turning in a slightly more positive direction after Dexter attended the uh, attended Cody's presentation and clearly Rita can see what he means to the kids and um, that must score a few points for him. But let's face it, he, he damaged the trust that she had for him and trust once broken is a bloody difficult thing to get back. So it's going to take some time, I think, for her to fully trust him again and... Well, she's seen Lila calls and Dexter goes running and um, he did that again this week at, at a point when he was about to go off and spend some time with Rita and her children. So, yeah, that definitely, um, definitely a little, an, another black mark against his name in Rita's eyes. So I can't see their relationship uh, becoming any more rosy next week. As for Lundy, yeah, he saw through the manifesto pretty quickly, and we've talked about that quite a bit already. So I think we can expect the Bay Harbour Butcher case to become much more focused again next week. And, of course, Lundy identified that he suspects the Bay Harbour Butcher at least has some experience of law enforcement, if not actually works for law enforcement. So... um that's no doubt going to be an avenue that he pursues quite um, feverishly next time. And uh, we know Lund is a very canny individual. So, um, yeah, I do look forward to the times when Dexter's under under great threat of discovery. I, I said before, I think that's when the show's at its best. And then speaking of Lundy, well, it seems that he and Deb are getting pretty chummy. And uh, I can foresee that developing next time and they they have a connection despite the age gap they do have a um a connection on on a very intriguing level deb seems to feel safe with him she feels safe that even though she can be quiet with him and ordinarily she in fact this was something i didn't pick up on in, in the review section that she talked about uh when it's quiet she's afraid of the quiet because that's when she's alone with her thoughts and her memories and experiences scare her. Um, she's been through some traumatic stuff, so, you know, who could blame her? So, But it's no wonder she's so into her work and she's all go. It's like she's got to keep moving or else her fears will catch up with her. And uh, But when she's with Lundy, she's she's not afraid of that. And that's a powerful thing and it's no wonder she's drawn to him. So... Uh, I'm pleased for her. I don't know whether the relationship has any future. It does 
uh, tainted a little bit that he is this sort of surrogate father figure. But I don't know, maybe we're being a little bit unfair to Deb and it's just the spiritual connection and the fact that she feels safe with him, that she's drawn to him and her historic daddy issues are nothing to do with it. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Okay, well, I've waffled enough. I'm going to get going and just say thanks very much, everybody, for listening. I apologise again for the long gap between rewatch podcasts, despite the uh, Zayas interview breaking things up in the middle. Uh, it, it was far longer than I intended, and hey, what can I say? I hold my hands up. Um, it won't be as long next time, I promise. And if I fail, you can unsubscribe or shoot me or send me a stinky pair of socks through the post or <laughs> something stinky socks where did that come from where's my brain today god um i, I should go i should go <laughs> um okay thanks guys thanks for your support thanks for listening and we'll dissect some more dexter very soon i promise cheers for now bye bye